The following audio was recorded at Stone Oak Bible Church and is part of our series in the book of 1 Corinthians. For more information about our church, for more sermon audio, or for more resources, visit us at stoneoakbible.com. All right, so 1 Corinthians. If you have your Bibles, you can grab them. Um, if you don't have a Bible, there are some hardback black ones, it's a tongue twister, on the floor around you. Um, I, wanted, I want to encourage you, if you don't have a Bible, grab that one and just keep it. Take it home with you. It's, um, it's the ESV or English Standard Version. Typically, that's what we use to preach from here at Stone Oak. And so as, as you go through it, it should be pretty easy to follow along with us. And so I want to encourage you, if you don't have a Bible, don't be shy, all right? Don't be shy. Grab one. Uh, let me start off by um, saying something that may sound strange. You and I are tribal. We are tribal. Now, um, I am, of course, not talking about like Indian tribe, because most, most of your lives probably are the furthest thing from that. Uh, I'm not talking about that. Um, I am, when I say tribal, I am talking about it from a sociological standpoint. And when I say tribal, what I mean is that each of us look to belong in a group, in a tribe. We look to, to belong um, together. We, we look to say, I am with them and they are with me. It's in us. It's how God created us to be. We are, we are tribal. We see tribes all over the place, some of them big, some of them small, some of them significant, and some of them are ridiculous. Um, I think of, you know, Windows versus Apple. Those are two tribes. People get really amped up about those two tribes. Not as significant. Um, how about the 26.2 bumper stickers on the back of cars? There's a tribe. Now, if you haven't seen this, there's a counter tribe. The 0.0 bumper stickers? Come on now. 13.1, there we go. So, so we have our tribes. We say, I'm a runner. I'm one of them. Or I am not. I'm one of them. We have, we have our tribes. How about sports? I'm a Spurs fan, as you should be. I'm a Cowboy fan. Sorry. Um, colleges, college teams, those go real deep, real deep. That's a tribe. We belong. You don't even have to have gone, you didn't have to go through the, through the university to, to feel at home in that tribe. It's a tribe. Uh, here's, okay, we're coming through a political season. There's some tribes. I'm Republican. I'm Democrat. I'm Libertarian. I don't like any of you. I don't even know. I'm angry, right? We have, we have tribes. We have banners. We have hats. We, we, we place ourselves with them. And, it, and like I said, these tendencies were placed there by God himself. I think of, here's one more example of a tribe. How about the CrossFit phenomenon? So CrossFit, if you're, if you're not aware of it, they're popping up everywhere, everywhere. And if you're not aware, if you're a fan of CrossFit, I have nothing against it. I'm not putting you down, all right? Um, but CrossFit, if you're, not, if you're not familiar with it, they're pretty stripped and simple gyms. 
Some of them don't have air conditioning, like a metal room will do. And you just get in there and you throw some ropes, you do your thing. You, you do it with the guidance of a trainer, but here's the important part. You do it with a band of brothers and sisters who are in those trenches hurting with you, um, keeping your morale up, sometimes even picking you up, right? This is, and, and, and you come to this place, this community where you belong. And there's a reason why you're gonna see more CrossFit shirts than any other gym. It's not because, you know, CrossFit's the only gym people are members of, um, but you're not gonna hear people evangelizing Anytime Fitness. Like, you gotta try it. I mean, there's, Anytime Fitness is great. But it's just a gym. CrossFit, now that's a tribe. It's a difference. There's a difference. We long for this. We long for a place to belong. It's not a bad thing. We are tribal people. We have been for hundreds of years. It's not a bad thing. Um, Which, by the way, is one of the powerful things about the church. If you think about it, the church, let's go back at the beginning. These these followers um, following after Jesus, they were a part of this Jesus tribe. They would and did give their lives for it. They were all in wearing the shirt. It was not any time fitness. It was CrossFit for them, right? They were a part of the tribe. They stepped in, and, and what's beautiful about it is it was something bigger than themselves, something to belong to, something belong together. It was purpose, it was community, it was mission, it was the church. That's what we long for. That's what we long for. Now, our tribal tendencies can do great things when it comes to spreading the gospel. And it also can do some pretty negative things when it comes to spreading the gospel. Our tribal tendencies, as we're about to look at, can lead us to division. Division in the church. Um, It can actually hinder the mission of the gospel when done incorrectly. We're going to talk about this this morning. It all comes down to this. We know we're all tribal. Okay, it all comes down to this. What are we centered around? What what are we coming around? What What is the thing that is our the center of our tribe? That's the question. So let's look at this together. Verse 10. Uh, Paul says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he starts by appealing by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's um, another way of saying, listen to what I'm about to say. He's appealing to this high authority, saying, listen, uh, listen up. And he says that all of you agree that there be no divisions among you but that you be united in the same mind, in the same judgment. So he says, I appeal to you brothers. Remember, by the way, your brothers, that you are not divided. I appeal to you that you agree, that you say the, th- say the same things, that you're uh, on the same, of the same mind, right? Um, some translations say knit together, like that you come together. Paul is addressing this church who is experiencing internal division. Internal division. Have you ever experienced that in the church? Internal division for, for anyone who has ever gone through a season where that was very much the reality. 
um, you know this is not something easy to get through. And it certainly was not easy for this young church as they were walking through incredible divisions in their, in their church. Um, now Paul is going to reveal to the church that they had been ratted out. Someone told on them, and he got report, and, and listen to this. He says, for it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you. I got you. I know what you're doing. And then in verse 12, he says, what I mean is that each one of you says, listen to this, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. And Paul says, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and, and Gaius so that no one um, may say that you were baptized in my name. I, didn't, I did baptize also that. It's like he's going down a rabbit trail if you've noticed in this text. They even put it in parentheses because I think the translators knew. Paul's on a rabbit trail. I did baptize also the household of Stephanus, but beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. Listen to this. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. So here's what we're seeing here, church. We are seeing the negative side of tribalism. We're seeing the negative side on display. I follow Paul. Well, I follow Apollos. Well, I follow Cephas. Well, I follow I follow Christ. Let me give you a little context, too, to help us understand this before we dig in um, to, to applying this. Um, in this time in Corinth, we have record of, of great orators, eloquent speakers, public speakers, who would come, and they would go to the streets, and they would, they would speak, and followers would start to follow them. They would, they would build. It's like these the teaching classes. They developed followers before social media, so that's impressive. They were out there just, just giving it, and, and people would follow them. In the same vein, the church had rock star teachers. Um, the church had people who were quite good, eloquent speaking. Um, for example, Paul references Apollos, right? A, a, a great speaker. And here's what was happening is many Christians were starting to organize themselves around um, starting to become quite loyal to these top Christian leaders. So they were starting to, to say, yeah, well, I'm with Paul. And for some, it's like, well, that's not good enough. I'm with Apollos. Have you heard him? And someone says, no, both of you are wrong. I'm with Cephas. That's Peter, all right? I'm with him. Jesus was good friends. I'm with him. And then I love the last guy. You kind of get a sense of the high horse that he's on here. Well, I'm with Jesus, right? I have Christ. You take Paul, Paulus, Peter, whoever else. Do you hear it, though? Do you hear the division, the tribes coming up within the church, the tribes that are starting to pop up? Um, the church was showing their loyalties to the person or the brand, their tribe. They were starting to show their loyalties to these gifted teachers. There are several dangers that that, could, that, that has in the church. We're gonna talk about some of those here in a little bit, but first and foremost is it takes our eyes off, our focus up off of the, the thing, 
the one thing, and that is the thing we all have that is off of Christ, and, and it puts our focus onto each other. And Paul's addressing that here. This is why Paul asks the rhetorical question, um, is Christ divided? Of course, the answer is obviously not. Were you baptized in the name of Paul? Hopefully, no, right? The, the rhetorical answer, no. Um, what was happening here, though, is, is, again, it was becoming more about Paul. It was becoming more about Apollos. It was becoming more about Peter it was, than it was um, gos- the gospel. They were missing the gospel. And this is negative uh, tribalism, and this is what he is calling out. Now, I want to make one clarification before we shift into the present. Um, it wasn't that these men were trying to create division. It wasn't that these men, okay, think of it. Two of them were apostles. You have one who, Apollos, who is a prominent leader in the church, especially in Ephesus, um, a prominent speaker. Paul speaks very highly of him. And then the other one was Jesus himself. I don't think the problem is with these men stirring up division. That's not the impression Paul gives us here. These guys were, they were studs, all right? Stud leaders. I don't think it was them. The problem was is that these people were organizing themselves around these men and looking down on and letting that create division within the the whole of of the body. And that's exactly Paul's point when he says, was was I crucified for you? No, I wasn't. There, There is only one that is worthy of being the center of the tribe. Now, as we look forward today, when it comes to Christian leaders, when it comes to preachers, um, we are all sinners. Broken, messy, but God, being rich in, in grace and mercy, rescued us, saved us. And he, he gave us, transformed us, and he gave us two things. He gave us one message and a call to proclaim it. That's it. That, that's, that's it. And so when it, when it comes to Christian leaders and preachers, hear me. I'll speak on behalf, but hear me. Fall in love and follow after the gospel message, not the gospel messenger. Give yourself to the message of Jesus Christ, him him, um, uh, crucified, resurrected. Give yourself to that, not the speaking skills or um, the likability of any prominent Christian leader. Um, There can be, and I'm sure we can all attest to this, an unhealthy attachment to Christian leaders, even within the church. Um, this one's funnier. This one's easier to listen to. Um, this one is, is smarter. This one seems to be more educated. This one is more emotive. This one's less emotional, right? Whatever it may be, um, these things, although it's not bad to appreciate your pastor, uh, it's certainly not bad. Don't hear me wrong. Um, these aren't the main things. There's a pastor and writer named Mark Dever. He says it well. He says, we love the minister well as we love the Christ he serves. 
That's how the church can love their leader well. Um, any gospel preacher that is worth his weight would much rather, much prefer you following after, growing in your love and affection for the gospel and Jesus and, and the word um, over you growing in your affection for him. We have one mission, one purpose, all of us. And, and churches can really add to this tribalism culture. Um, I, um, you see it when the, our church over that church. Um, our church is way better than that church. Our ministries, come on. You see it with ads. I'm gonna give you two of them and then I wanna actually show you one here in a little bit that's just ridiculous. Tired of bad churches? Come to ours. These are real, okay? Are you ready for a real church? Uh, ouch. Um, I saw this one a month ago. And I actually got the image to back it up. All right, so take a look at this. Go to a church that doesn't suck with a little dead mosquito in the bottom corner. That is devastating to the work of the gospel. That is absolutely devastating to the work of the gospel. We're insulting the bride by calling people into the bride. That's weird. It is... It is destructive. Our aim as a church, as the church, is Jesus Christ and his gospel being proclaimed well and often. That's our, that's our aim. It's not our tribe. If you hear the gospel here at Stone Oak Bible Church, praise God, and we're going to do everything in our ability and our power to tell the gospel, speak the gospel, proclaim the gospel all the time. So you can't avoid it when you're here. I promise you. That's our commitment. And so if you hear it here, praise God. But if you hear it at another church, praise God for that. Praise God. Fall in love with Christ and not the brand. Show your loyalty to Christ and not the brand. When we pray that God would grow our church here at Stone Oak Bible, when we pray, when we're inviting, when we believe in what we're doing, it's because we believe that we are committed to the gospel. Of course we want to grow in that. And you know what? I want them, that other church who's doing the same, to grow just as much. We are committed to being a church, like I said, that you can't avoid hearing the gospel. That, that and, and, and honestly, I would love it if you were to join us. I would love it if you were to come along with us in this mission. I would, I would love it if you were to come and express your loyalty to Jesus together, worship Jesus together. I would love it. But the Stone Oak Bible brand is really puny in the scheme, the grand scheme of things. Our ministry, I'll put it this way, the Stone Oak Bible Church brand will be forgotten. But our ministry that we do here in Stone Oak, in San Antonio, globally, the way that God uses us for his glory, that's eternal work. That is kingdom work, and that is something worth giving everything we have to. And that's what we are 
about. We unite around the cross of Christ, not anything or anyone else. And every one of you need to be a part of a healthy church. Every one of us. Like I said, God created us with this tribal need. Every one of you need to be a part of a local church. And if you are here and you are, are, are looking, my hope is that you found it here. I'm not going to lie. I love our church. would love for you to found, find your home here. But if you're here and you think, ah, it's too far, or there's this and there's that, or I just don't like Justin that much, or I just don't know about this or that. Um, first of all, you're crazy, you know, <laughs> right? We, we, I can't fix crazy. No, I'm joking. Um, but listen, whatever church you are considering, I want to encourage you to ask this question first and foremost over any ministry, over any program, over any, any, anything, over anything, is the gospel preached clearly and often from God's word? Is Christ preached often through preaching, through singing prayer, community? Is the gospel preached clearly and often from God's word? If the church is not centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ, it does not matter how awesome and how friendly and how great the programs and the ministries are. Run. Run. But any church who does that, we link arms with here at Stone Oak. We, um, we are united. Their wins are our wins. Kingdom growth is kingdom growth. We praise God for that. But I want to, just before we shift gears a little bit, I want to encourage us all to, to um, I want to challenge you in the way you think about other churches, the way we talk about other churches. I want to challenge you to pray for them. Pray for their leaders Pray for their success. Pray for that the gospel will be proclaimed clearly. There are churches meeting all over our city right now. Let's pray for them. Let's pray for their leaders that God would bless them. I, I remember a um, several, probably a year ago, there was a pastor who was telling this story, and, and his aha moment stuck with me. It just, it was a gut punch for him and it was a gut punch for me as I heard this story. Um, he gathered a group uh, and all of his leaders together and they were praying specifically, how can we impact our city? We want a, a revival in our city. We're not content with where we want to, we want God to just do a, a, a great work in our city, start a movement. It was a passionate time of prayer, And in this process, in this prayer, um, this pastor said he heard God speak to him and what God said changed his perspective and was a, just a massive gut punch. It's a gut-wrenching question. He said, they were praying, God, would you send a revival? Would you change our city? And he felt God say, okay, what if I answer your prayer? 
What if I give you exactly what you're, what if I send my spirit revival unlike anything the world's ever seen before? What if I change the city? And what if I choose not to use you or your church in that process? And what if I choose to use the church across the street? Would the passion in your prayer be any less? Would you still be gathering all your leaders together to pray? That's a, whew, that's a gut punch. It has never been about my kingdom, your kingdom. It's, it's thy kingdom come. You and I are not the center of the tribe. Jesus Christ, the gospel is the center of our tribe. After this moment, I remember the pastor was, was, was crying as he was saying this because he said that was the moment that was the kick that I needed that we started a church planting movement in our city. And they've, they've planted, I think, 200 plus churches in the city because of this gut punch, realizing it's not about me, this gut punch. Um, church, that's beautiful. Paul says, uh, what I mean to say is that each one of you who says, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos, I follow Cephas, I follow Christ, is Christ divided? Is Christ divided? It, the answer is no. Then why are we? Then why are we? Paul here is calling this church back to unity. In a polarizing culture, he's calling this church back to to unity. Is this ever a message that we need to hear today? If you, if you don't believe me, log on to Facebook. Not now, because you're listening to me, of course. Um, look at the divisive grenades that we throw out, that we lob, the theological grenades. That's, whew, those are fun. Take a look at those. I think Twitter and Facebook are, are basically grand sociological experience that prove one hypothesis. Ready? People are mean. We've proven it. We got it. Um, this is a message that we need to hear. Paul is appealing to this church, come back. Come back. And so here's the million-dollar question that I want to look at is, is how? The how question. How are we to do this? How can our diversity not be divisive? Can division ever be a good thing? If so, when is it necessary? If we are called to unity, then why on earth are there so many churches, so many denominations? Why do the pastors give each other stink eyes? Why? What's going on? So let's look at the how question. The answer to the how question, I'm just going to give it all up and then we'll talk about it. The answer to the how question is by the gospel and by the gospel alone. There's a theologian named um, A.W. Tozer, and I want to quote him. It's from a book, Worship by the Book. Uh, this is so good. Warning, this is good. All right. 100 pianos, all tuned to the same fork, are automatically tuned to each other. They were of one accord by being tuned, not to each other, but to another standard to which each must individually bow. 
So 100 worshipers met together. Each one looking away to Christ are in heart nearer to each other than they could possibly had been if they were to have focused on unity and turn their eyes away from God to strive to closer fellowship. I don't care who you are, that is so good. That is so good. Tozer summarizes this so well. Any musicians here? Well, this is going to fail. Maybe you didn't follow that one. All right, we have, we have two. Um, well, if you were one, then, then you'd be re- able to relate to this really well. Because when you're in a band, um, you don't tune off of each other not knowing if anyone is in tune to begin with. Right? That's, that's frustrating. And then let's just say you get all your stuff together and you start sounding good. You're tuned to each other. I dare you to go play with another instrument play with another band, it's going to be chaos. Why? Why? You're going to be out of sync. You're going to be out of sync. We don't tune to each other. We tune to an outside standard. A C is a C, right? We tune to an outside standard. Now, um, I know Tozer brings up a tuning fork. Uh, Since none of you are musicians, I doubt that you know what that is, but we don't use a tuning fork now. You can even tune it off your phone, But here's the point. It's an outside standard. An outside standard that does not change. The the C chord has been the C chord for thousands of years. Does not change. It's an outside standard. And because of that, as we tune to that, we can be completely confident and sure that we will have unity as we play our instruments together. So as you think about the church then, when we tune ourselves to an outside standard and not off of each other, then we can be sure, we can be confident that we will uh, will have unity together. Um, We saw this yesterday. This was wonderful. We we had the opportunity of of just talking to a, a church planter from Ethiopia yesterday. And as I heard his heart, I mean, this guy is probably, he's a giant in the faith in my eyes. Um, But here's the the incredible thing. We were united. We don't live in the same country. Our cultures are, could not be more different. But we were united because of the gospel. We had one mission, one gospel. We were brothers. That is beautiful, and that's what the gospel does. It's how it brings us together. Paul reminds us the church is not built on eloquently spoken words from any leader. That's not the way the church is built. The church is, is not and has never been about the gospel messengers. It has always been founded on Jesus Christ and his gospel, period. Paul says, but to preach the gospel and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. The cross of Christ is the power. Now, there's a couple of things that I want us to see here. Uh, one, since the cross of Christ um, is the power, since the gospel itself is the power, then the gospel messenger will never be powerless. Some of you need to hear that. 
since the gospel is the power. The gospel messenger will never be powerless, will never be without power. You will never be powerless as a gospel messenger. I know that so many of us, what holds us back from telling people about the good news of Jesus is we don't think we know enough, we don't know the right words, we don't know if we can articulate it well enough, what if they poke holes and what if they ask questions that I can't answer, right? That's, where, that's what keeps us so many times from just opening up. But here, Paul reminds us, the cross of Christ is the power. So if you have the gospel message, you are empowered. If you have that God so loved you that he sent his son to die for you, that he lived, died, was buried, resurrected, and that we can spend eternity with God through Jesus Christ our Lord. If we have that, you have power that no one and nothing can, can, can take away from you. Um, the power is the gospel message. And, and I'll say this, um, he doesn't need you to make it more powerful. It's, it's, it's not like he needs a couple of rock star gospel messengers to really bring this home. We read about Paul putting people to sleep as he preached. He doesn't need rock star messengers. He already has the rock star message, and now he needs from us obedience. The cross of Christ is power. I guess the, the question we need to get to is do you believe that? The cross of Christ is power. And two, since the gospel itself is the power, then we must be agents of unity and not instruments of division. These believers in Corinth were dividing um, over which apostles they were following. We look at that and we say, that's ridiculous, but we do the same thing. But they were, they were dividing over good things. Good things. And Paul says here, Christ is not divided, and dividing over good things is still divisive. The enemy seeks to divide us. Um, he doesn't even care what we're divided over. And division is just another name for distraction. He, he doesn't care if it's positive, if it's negative. If he can cause the church to divide... If he can cause us to lose sight, then he can destroy our unity. And so what are you this morning? This is a personal question that I, I want us to, to, to wrestle with. Um, are you actively divisive? Don't raise your hand. Are you actively divisive? Maybe you need to. It's time of repentance here. Are you actively divisive? Um, are you an instrument of division? Do you stir it up in your community group? Do you stir it up in your relationships? Do you find that every room you go into and leave is angrier than before you got there? Like, are, is that you? Are, are you stirring it up? What does your Facebook say you are? Are you stirring it up? Are we instruments of division? If we are, church, let's repent. 
Let's repent. Don't let yourself slip into that, church. Don't let yourself be used by the enemy like that. If that's you, if you would say honestly, yeah, I have been. I want to encourage you to go to that group and to apologize. There is nothing like a good old-fashioned, I was wrong and I am sorry. It's biblical, right? I encourage you to do that and I encourage you to actively guard against your tongue. Our tongues always wanna go, but, but to bring it back and to actively guard and, and, and to really see yourself as, as an agent of unity. You're not passive in this, but to become active in creating unity. This is so important. Are you an active, um, are you actively divisive? Or maybe you're the passive type. Are you passively divisive? Are you the person that everyone comes to with division? Are you the person that just always seems to attract division and, and just crankiness? It's not a word. Um, are you the person that attracts slander? Do people just come from everywhere to talk to you? I don't even know how it happens. They're just always coming to me. Um, and are you not actively pointing them to gospel unity? If, if you're not, you are passively adding to division. You are passively adding to division. We have to guard ourselves. And we have to understand that God has a plan for guarding the unity of his church, and it's you. <laughs> we can't afford to be passive about this. I encourage you, if that is you, to seek for ways that you can create gospel unity. To not remain silent anymore. Pray that God would just show you ways to promote unity in your community group. Unity in your relationships, unity in our church. This is huge. Um, I'll say it like this. We said last week church was not a spectator sport. I'll, I'll add to that a little bit and say we are as healthy as our members. Our church is as healthy as our, as our members. We are as united as our members. In church, we are as divisive as our members. This is a team sport, and this is so crucial. You have a role to play, and unity is never an accident. You're not gonna stumble into unity. It's never accidental. It's always intentional, and so I want to encourage you, if you lean toward the passive side, engage. Engage and step in and be active in this, and, and let me ask you this: Are you an aid, an active agent of unity? Are you are you active in promoting unity? Are you intentional in your conversations, in your relationships, in your groups, in wherever you are in your ministry? Are you active? Are you praying for unity? Now I know you're not perfect. 
And I know you can be active on Tuesday, slip into active disunity on Wednesday, and then back again. I get that. We all make mistakes, and praise God for his grace. But what are you? Right now, today, what are you? Are you an active agent of unity? If you are, I want to thank you. I mean this. I want to thank you. I want to thank you for the role that you are having here at Stone Oak Bible Church. I want to, to thank you. are a huge reason why Stone Oak Bible Church is a healthy church. I want to thank you. Uh, you have made a massive impact, and I want to encourage you to just continue it as we move forward. Here's the reality, the reality again. Um, the enemy would want nothing more Nothing more than, than to create division, um, for the church to become so distracted with division that we lose sight of mission and we lose sight of the grand calling and purpose that he's put in our path. Even if it's distraction over really good things, that's a win for him. And Paul here is calling us back, calling us back. Let us be a people let us be a church who says, look, Satan, I know what you're trying to do right now. I know what you're trying to do, and I refuse to play. I refuse to, to be a part of your plan. Let us be a people who are relentlessly committed to the gospel, above everything else, committed to it. If you think about it, division and unity are really just byproducts. They're byproducts. Unity is a byproduct of a proper understanding of the gospel. Unity comes out of that. It's only achieved as we respond, as we're a people who respond to the gospel. We ask the how question, how do we do this? The answer again is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the only way that we can see true unity, not just here at Stone of Bible Church, Churches in our city, our nation, globally, that's how we see unity. That we are a people that will get so caught up and in all of the gospel. I'll tell you what, I brought him up, but, but my, my Ethiopian brother, church planter, you cannot be around him for more than two seconds without seeing the love that he has this man's been in prison four times because of it. But it has, it has done nothing but fan the flame of, of passion in his heart for the gospel. I look at that and I realize we have one Christ, one gospel. And when we realize that, all of a sudden, all of our petty tribes begin to lose their, their flavor. They lose their their importance. The good things that we could divide over become eh, non-essentials. All of a sudden, the things that used to matter a lot, a lot don't matter much in light of the gospel. Praise God for that. This morning, um, we are invited into a tribe. His tribe. And I want to encourage you and invite you to, to join us here at Stone Oak as we look to be a part of that, to be on mission for him, linked arms that we can see kingdom work done for his glory.